If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It is like an old joke at this point, but it is because it is so true. It is is speaking to a real true phenomenon, which is Nala and Simba were hot. We all had crushes on lions. No can get pride. (laughs) Welcome back to That's a Gay As a Podcast, the podcast where we ask, whose fault is it that you're gay, babe? Who do we blame? Who is it? I'm Eric Williams. I'm your host. And it is another week in the gayest universe. I am actually sitting here on my couch by my lonesome. Yes, Matt is in Atlanta, Georgia. We are apart for the first time in just about a year and a half. And I gotta say, I'm kind of living like the bachelor life. Yes. And by that, I mean I'm just watching the TV shows I want to watch and ordering disgusting takeout that he won't let me eat in front of him. (laughs) Which, by really, I mean Domino's. I do mean Domino's. And before you get... Just get off my jock, okay? I know I live in New York City, the best pizza city in the country. Well, you know what? Sometimes you want to go back to the time you were nine years old and you gave the Domino's delivery person a $20 bill and thought to yourself, was I supposed to get change? I'm so happy you are here for this week's episode with Joel Kim Booster. He is podcast royalty, comedy royalty, gay royalty, and he, he sur- even surpassed my already crazy high expectations. It, it honestly is an incredible conversation because it really runs the gamut. He is so funny. We talk about the time he went to PV recently and partied and met a boy that he's following to San Francisco for Pride. We talk about some Bravo stuff. Uh, you need to stick around for an Andy Cohen story or moment that will truly make headlines. And we talk about really vulnerable stuff, about how the past year has been tough for him. He lost his dad to COVID, how it's been tough creatively, but also just things about relationships. And it is such a full conversation that I really am so appreciative to Joel Kambooster for coming on and being so candid because... I really think it is special. So if you don't know Joel Kim Booster, he is an unbelievable stand-up comedian, actor, writer. You've actually seen him on TV in Sunnyside on NBC, also featured on a whole bunch of late-night shows. His sets are linked in the show notes because they're some of the, my favorite things I've seen on Late Night. It's The Late Late Show with James Corden. He's done Conan, been on Netflix, Comedy Central. He's also written for some incredible TV shows, Big Mouth. He wrote for the other two. Thank God it's coming back soon. Billy on the street and more. You got to follow him on social media at I hate Joel Kim. That is I hate Joel Kim. And make sure you let him know you love this episode. Follow us, subscribe. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Eric Wills. And the podcast page is at Gay Ass Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being queer. And if you're not, nobody's perfect.
You know what? Every time there's like a tech glitch at the beginning, I just feel like it's just delaying the gorgeous gratification of being able to actually talk. And Joel Kim Booster, I, I know you get this a lot. But you are royalty to me in so many ways. Oh, stop. <laughs> I am not really not just buttering your biscuit. It's like you have the Midwest connection, the gay connection, the love of theater moment. You are a pot, gay podcast royalty. I mean, it's just so much of it. And I just want to thank you for coming on to That's a Gay's Podcast. And also just say grateful that you are you, Joel Kim Booster. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I got to tell you, I got nothing better to fucking do right now than be <laughs> on podcasts. So here I am. Oh, wow. Um, I am my own special creation, et cetera, et cetera. And I also want to say, like, I know the listeners can't see this, but the exposed beams, the wooden moment, I'm truly impressed. I swear to God, the ceiling in my back room is the star of the pandemic. Um, every Zoom I get on, I have to angle it up because this room, it looks like fucking dog shit otherwise. But the ceiling, my God. Oh, my People God. love it. You know, in terms of ceilings, I'm going to say one of the best I've seen, especially this year. Oh, um, Joel Kim Booster, you are frozen. No, I just didn't have a response. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I felt like I was at Madame Tussauds for a second. Um literally staring at just you're doing it again um but maybe you're just like a (laughs) you know your stillness i guess you really are uh film is your medium yeah Uh, i guess that's like one of the best ways to give me a complex is just to stare with a frozen Mm -hmm. smile and then not react to a thing i'm saying yeah there there will be no volleying today there will just be (laughs) question answer that's it i will give you nothing no yes and okay just yes um, so great. First question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what year were you born? Um, I, well, I want to ask you a question then, Joel Kambooster. Okay, Here's great. my question. How's your pride going? How are you doing? Oh my God. I am so stressed and exhausted by the ticketing situation oh. of pride. I cannot tell you how many t- days I've had to wake up early. How many <laughs> I've begged on Instagram for tickets, just like, literally like alms alms tickets to the mighty real pool party please i mean but i also think it like is spreading it's running the gamut of pride events there's also like now the shows are coming back it just feels like the second there are things to do it's fully impossible to do them because within about four and a half seconds they i actually so silly but like meg stalter is doing a show in new york and i you know i saw the show was sold out i was like bum she announced that she was doing it again and she just like Within 45 seconds, they they would sell out and it felt like, and I luckily got one to one of the late night shows, but like, that's not even a pride event and it's fully, fully booked. Well, she is a pride event. Let's be real. Meg Stelter is a pride event. Um, She is a one woman pride float. Um, She is Citibank uh, (laughs) throwing out rainbow colored condoms. She is the moment. I mean, I do think that she is the moment and also she will have a full pride float in the near future mm-hmm. oh, will yeah. it will it be her character from hacks will it just be her doing a different i mean i'm not sure but it will be it will be Time a mixed culture yeah yeah i actually completed my pride um ticket journey today i got the last event that i needed to get for pride and i'm doing this stupid thing where i'm following a boy to san francisco pride this year and that's where i'm celebrating and i did it so late. Literally everything was sold out. I got by hook, by crook. That is literally, and by, by waking up early as they release new tickets, I got every event, every party that I needed to get. And I feel so satisfied. Wow. Wait, why is it, why is it stupid to go to San Francisco for a boy? That sounds magical. And, and I think that's the thing. I think it's the um, thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good. I do this thing where I dress rehearse for disaster. And listen, we met in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> Classic love story. Uh, um, he, tales he was my, time. He was my PV boyfriend. Um, legally speaking, we're still boyfriends in Puerto Vallarta. Um, <laughs> that has not dissolved, but only in Puerto Vallarta. Mm. And um, he's moving to LA in August. And I'm going to be in New York for that period. And so we decide, I decided I would do this crazy thing of just like completely shifting my life and going to San Francisco right before going to New York. And we're just going to hang out and, and have fun and go on a real date. 
I think that's actually incredible. It's just, you only live this one life, apparently. And I think that you're, you're clearly your body's telling you to go to San Francisco and see if this relationship can cross borders, international borders. And you're not going to find out unless you go to San Francisco and go to every Pride event with him. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to be, we were, we're trying to be chill. I'm trying to be like, not go to every Pride event with him. Sure, sure, um, sure. Cause I have, I'm also ostensibly the trip was planned because I have a lot of very close friends in San Francisco who I was also with in Puerto Vallarta and who um, wanted me to come. And so that was like my rational brain sort of uh, justifying the trip. Of course. And I also feel like, though, with dating in general, your, your, your entire body is trying to be chill while the other side of your brain is like, is this going to be the thing that makes A, fixes my life or B, is a forever thing or it's, it's so it's I'm, I'm fully prepared to get my ass kicked. I'm like my I'm so prepared for it in a, in a way that like is not it's not healthy. I mean it's a, it's self protection, but I just know that like these things never last. You know, it's so emotionally unsustainable to text mm. someone every day post vacation mm. at good night and good morning and Facetime and send voice notes and it's <laughs> like I'm like when is the other shoe gonna drop? You know, when, well, and, and like that's what I keep waiting for and and I. And again, it's like my therapist, all my friends are like, just enjoy it while it's happening, Joel. Don't wait. Why are you so focused on the end point, the disaster point of it? And I just, that's just who I am. Yeah. But I also, so that, that when it does happen, when it does happen, I can say, see, I told you so. Well, that's class. I mean, truly, tale as old as time is like the, the, the expecting it to go wrong because it, it protects you from when it does. But I think like every single relationship, vast majority, are going to end, but some won't. And so giving yourself just a little sense of hope that it could last, even though very big chance I won't, very big chance it's a romantic vacation Puerto Vallarta story. However, you are about to go into one of the best parts of it. And so I do agree with like enjoying it is not the worst thing you can do because yeah. it's got that high you feel when you're first falling for someone and, and going around a city that you're not normally in. It's like, oh, I, 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 I'm jealous and I, I'm also sending you all the positive vibes, regardless of the outcome. I'm yeah. Really... I mean, have you do, have you read Less, the book Less? No. Um, it's a great book. It's a it, you know, it's a, it's it's a gay beach read that happened to win the Pulitzer um, a couple years ago. Okay, I'm truly reading it. I'm going to to a beach vacation in two weeks. It's going to be on my list. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's about a guy getting over a bad breakup, traveling the world. It's gay, eat, pray, love. Um, <gasps> Oh the, yeah. The prose is some is fantastic, but there is a moment in it. There's a quote that I love from this book and I'm not going to butcher it now. I don't have it near me to to read it, but it, it basically just says that like, you know, any t- amount of time is a victory and mm. seeing the just because things end doesn't mean that it was a failure. And I think like for me, like I haven't I haven't been this vulnerable with another human being in about 6 years. And so that is a win for me no matter what happens with this guy and tr- i'm trying to make it about that i'm trying to make it about my own personal growth not about this boy specifically but just about my ability to say okay i'm open to something more than just casual sex which i haven't been in about six years yeah i mean i love that so much but because it's also it's all of this is an experiment it's like you know what what if you just see what happens without trying to end it before it does and there you know there is a chance that opening yourself up and being vulnerable will not either teach you new things about yourself or lead you to a lasting relationship but the base the baseline outcome is that you're going to learn something and move forward because i have to tell you i had one of these stories that i'm actually i've been with my uh partner for god i think about 42 years it's been it's been about eight years but like he i met him like three months after i had one of these whirlwind romances it was actually gay pride 2013 i a friend of mine invited me out to this party and i just did not want to go it started really late and i had i was having a sad new york summer just like not a lot going on so i ended up telling myself you need to get out and just do something i went very very cute friend of this friend was there and i was like i don't know if he's gonna be into me whatever we start flirting a bit it's now three in the morning exchange numbers i'm like i'll never see him again he texts me. We go out the entire weekend, every day of the weekend. We're making out all over Manhattan. I was never the type that was like, you know, overtly yeah. 
making out on the steps of a pizza joint. But like that's where I was in the meatpacking district. And um, and then we ended up sleeping together an hour before his bus left because he lived in Texas. Oh, my God. And then I don't think I've ever even told someone the story because what ended up happening is I was like, of course, over the moon. I was like, this guy is gorgeous. He lives in Texas, though, which sucks. But it was such a magical weekend. And then he told me he was moving to New York. However, he told me he was moving to New York about a week after I met my now husband. (laughs) And so I was like, fuck. And I literally, I mean, like, I don't even know if I've told Matt this. So, um... If you're listening, babe, I like a two date. No, like one date in with Matt. Part of me was like, but what if like I'm seeing this Matt guy and like, am I missing out on my pride lover? Like, is this what I didn't know? What, and I ended up, of course, seeing Matt. This guy did move to New York. I ended up kind of like following him on social media and like, oh, and and curious about what he, how he was doing. I would always ask the mutual friend, how is we'll call him brian i was like how's brian doing like every time i saw her and then finally the feelings wore down matt and i are obviously been together for forever and doing well but like now matt knows matt knows he exists he doesn't know the the specifics of the timing of the stories but um all this to say learned a lot it was (laughs) it's such a good it's such a good feeling to have that whirlwind and then even if it, it wasn't meant to be. It. I think it may be the universe that led me to meeting Matt. I don't know. I met Matt out in line on the street. Like, who knows? Who knows if my my Brian lover was the ticket to meeting a, a great relationship? I don't know. It's impossible to say. I will say that I had my tarot read for the first time recently oh, at a friend's yeah, I birthday love that. party. And they said that the third guy that I fall in love with will be the one. And So I, do you, how many guys do you think, have you, have you been in love before? This guy would be, would be number two. Oh, um, and it, this is counting from the from the tarot. He, he said, "From this point, you will meet three guys, and the third one will be the one." Oh my God! Where is this movie? I don't know, but um, so I've already blown through one, and so technically he's number two. But you know, there was no time limit put on, so who knows how long it will be between <laughs> number two and number three? We'll see. Do you regret having your tarot cards read or does it feel empowering? Um, I don't necessarily, I don't regret it. Um, and it doesn't feel empowering. It's a Rorschach test, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, I don't think it means anything, but I do think it, what it told me and my reaction to it at the time was, was very telling about my own, how I was feeling, you know, mm-hmm. like just reading into that, but not, yeah. I don't think it was actually telling my future. But that's why I think you're a very emotionally intelligent person that is able to kind of uh, put it into a frame because I will not go see a psychic, even though I love that shit, because I'm so fucking fragile that I'm like, if this person tells me that like anything was not the way I pictured it or thought it would be, or like, I mean, can you imagine if a psychic is like, actually, your career is going to fail. You're going to move in with your parents. I'm like, well, then I believe her. And then, and then of course, I will then move in with my parents because she said so. But I one day will go to a psychic. But I'm just I'm nervous of hearing something that will change my trajectory in a way that maybe it wasn't meant to be. I don't think that's going to happen for you, babe. I don't either, Joel. I need to I need to up my Zoloft. Although, let me be honest. I just started on the pills and I was just talking with last week's guest, Judy Gold, about this, that I am for the first time dealing with medication to help with the anxiety I've always had. And the psychiatrist I met with three hours ago said that even though the Zoloft isn't working girly, we're going to just double your dosage and pray. And so um, stay tuned, Joel. I, I'm, I'm going to let you know if the Zoloft works. Godspeed on that journey. Thank Godspeed. you so much. I've been on my own medication journey this year and it has been an interesting one for sure yeah well i didn't realize how long it takes i didn't realize it's like yeah well you're gonna gonna first find out for the first three months if you even have any side effects and if it's working and then it's gonna it's like oh i thought i thought this was a one and done but abby tells me otherwise so listen joel kim booster i want to say that you I've always been a fan of your comedy and I always love to watch your appearances. And I was, of course, kind of rewatching them today. And I have to say, like, your, all of your sets are so incredible. But the, the you have one on James Corden that I think <laughs> is like God tier. I don't wow. know if you, 
I don't know if you get that a lot, but it was just like every single joke. It was just like spoken to me. It was, it was specific. It was brilliant. It was the audience was so on board. I think sometimes in those situations, the audience is just like such a random smattering of people that it's not. It, they're not exactly buying what you're selling. Like just in people in general, but if, it was just the universe came together, and I thought it was unbelievable. Thank you so much. That is um, the last time I think I felt like at the height of my power as a stand-up. Mm. Um, it's all been downhills from there, but um, definitely, um, I do, I do, I do feel that that set is underrated because it is like I feel like a lot of the early Conan sets were me introducing myself to the world. My special was very much that, and this was like sort of me in in the vacuum of just comedy, you know, like it, it wasn't necessarily about me, like talking about my family, my mm. upbringing, the experience of being gay and Asian in a white straight, you know, world. It was just about me talking about my life now as it is. And that yeah. felt really, really good. And um, I was, I'm, you know, really appreciative of them for letting me do some of those jokes because they were pretty out there. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is like a lot of your jokes I think are 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 not only out there but I think I love that they're like unabashed because I think sometimes when you're afraid of uh, pissing people off or whatever it is like I, I as someone who's also from the Midwest when you say you know you're from a stupid community it was like yeah, yeah I, as as am I like a hundred percent, but like do do you? I, this is not an interesting question, but I, I am genuinely curious. Do you when you poke fun at either Midwest or whatever it is, do you get either flack from people from there or your family or how how does that um, go? Well, I will say my family has never seen me do stand up and never will. Um, but I will say that like I go. I I perform a lot in the Midwest and like I'm pretty good at enveloping people in this sense of like well not you. everybody else but not you in this room you were smart enough to come to the show so you're (laughs) exempt from all of these broad generalizations i'm making about the midwest um and that is i think one of my greatest talents is making making people feel in on the joke not the butt of the joke so then for your family was it is a mutual decision for them not to watch your stand-up or was it more of a one-side thing uh, I think it's mutual for sure. I don't need my family. I don't need that kind of validation from my family. And I know that they won't approve and I know that it would make them uncomfortable. And, um, I think my brother has seen my stand up. He recently told me that he saw the cord and set and enjoyed the cord and set. Um, but beyond that, like, I don't think anybody else is super curious about it. They're very <sighs> happy that I'm making a living. They're m- very happy that I'm able to support myself. But beyond that, um, I don't think that they're super curious. Honestly, I think that's the key. I like I I sometimes get nervous about things because my family does watch or listen and um I actually am like right now in this moment thinking like maybe I'll just tell them to stop because it like I will like literally not tweet things because I know my mom will periodically go for 20 minutes on Twitter oh, God, and just like yeah, and like everything I've tweeted. Couldn't do it if my mom knew any of the things, any of the disgusting filthy things that I was saying online. <laughs> One of your jokes actually is talking about how God really did not want your bloodline to continue because the two the two boys are both gay. Did did one of you come out like significantly before or after the other? Yes, was it pretty? Cl- I blazed that trail. I I came out. Well, I didn't. I famously was sort of forced out at seventeen because my parents read my journals. Uh, my brother came out um, about seven years after that. I think. Wow. I yeah. wonder, that must have been, I, I always wonder when two siblings are gay of what it's like for the sibling that has not come out yet to mm-hmm. witness the other one come out and what thoughts that put, put is put, or just what their, their thoughts go through. Well, mine was so tumultuous. Like it was so dramatic, my coming out and like it caused so much strife for the entire family that I'm sure it traumatized my brother in some significant way into not wanting to deal with that um, until he met a guy, you know, and that's what happened he met a guy playing world of warcraft online and they're still together tonight today wow Brian, his name is yeah see look at that it's like it puerto vallarta is world of warcraft <laughs> scenario you just you never know you never i know. actually think i think that's how matt he ended up coming out to his family because he also comes from a pretty religious family and did not want to broach it and he ended up starting to see a guy in college and had a boyfriend and then he didn't come out he just said this is this is the guy this is a guy yeah and this is what's happening and i think they just like went from there and i think that is 
a very relatable thing. And I actually, I, I've never said this on this podcast and I think Matt will be okay with this, but like one of the tough things I think with coming out was also with grandparents because it's just like a, obviously a different generation and Matt has a very close relationship with his. And when I came out to mine, I was freaking out. He's now he's 92 years old and, uh, you know, wonderful. But when I came out to him, gosh, I don't know, 10, you know, 12 years ago, I was just convinced it was not going to be great. I mean, he is, you know, born in the thirties in Missouri. And he ended up saying to me at this Jewish deli we were sitting at when I told him I was gay, he says, I appreciate you telling me, but you know what, Eric, I don't love you any less. In fact, I think I love you more. And I was oh. like the most shocked. I was beyond That's shocked. Beautiful. beautiful. But basically Matt was very nervous to tell his grandparents who are, you know, from Georgia and um, religious. And he was very, very, very nervous and kind of put it off for the, for the first, you know, few years that we dated. And then there was Christmas one year where I was going to be in town for the whole week for Christmas. And it just became apparent that the grandparents always come over and, and I, I was going to be in the house. And so uh, that whole morning, I could feel the energy of the house was a little tense because I don't think anyone knew what was going to happen. And to their credit, these grandparents came in and were just the most lovely meeting this like random gay Jewish boyfriend <laughs> of their grandson. And I, they were again, beyond um, expectation of how they would take it. I do think that there was something uttered to them before to kind of emotionally prepare them for it. And I do know that that is not the case that always happens. It's more the exception than the, than the rule in many scenarios, but um, it makes it much more meaningful when you realize how it can go many other ways. And all this to say, it's... Yeah, I mean, all my grandparents are dead at this point. But I will say my mom told my grandma at some point, And I was like, why did you do that? Um, because it really changed the contour of my relationship with my grandmother mm -hmm. in a way where I was like, I was ready for this lady to die not knowing. <laughs> she didn't really need to know. She was so old already. And like to get letters from her about like how she was praying for me, that's not how I wanted to live out the remaining years of our relationship. Um, so I was like pretty pissed at my mom for that. Um, cause she, you know, I, I was not super close to any of my grandparents, but it, it was sort of like, that's not, that's not how I wanted things to go. Yeah, I get that. I mean, especially if you know that the chances of a very easygoing relationship or, or reaction is not the case then. And especially if they're that old, it's like, who are we, who are we helping here? Yeah. I mean, they were never, it was never, there was never a chance like they were going to meet anybody that I was dating. I would, you know, like it just didn't, until that came up, it didn't, it didn't seem like it would matter that much. But I will say, you know, this just, this conversation just happened with my mom. So, you know, I lost my dad um, mm. a couple months ago. Yeah, I'm so sorry. COVID. Yeah. Um, not, <laughs> not ideal, sucks. Um, but, um, it really did sort of catalyst me into talking to my mom. I mean, I called her um, recently and I had this conversation with her about my anxiety over my ability to write. I have not been able to write really, you know, through the pandemic. And I'm, we've never had a conversation that serious before um, pertaining to my work. And she was very supportive there. And, you know, this was after I met the guy and, and it not to sound too crazy because I wasn't like, this isn't the one by any means. But I said to her, I was like, you know what? I met somebody. And I don't know if you'll ever meet them. I don't know if I'm in love with them. I don't know anything. But it did get me thinking, like, I know that you don't approve. But I just want to know, can, like, that is a part of my life we never talk about. And mm. I want you to eventually be a, a part of that part of my life when that happens to me someday. And she said, you know, we don't see eye to eye on this. But God says to love everybody, and if you bring somebody home, we'll love them, you know, just as much as, as you know, Becky, my sister's husband, Dan. And it was really, really, I don't, you know, and it really sucks because I wish I would have had that conversation while my dad was alive. Mm. And that is a lesson, I think, for anybody who's putting off having that, that tough conversation, because I think it, for so long, it was so easy for me to just live in this gray space with my parents where we talked around a lot of stuff. There was a big hole in the center of our relationship. Yeah. Um, 
with my career and my personal life and stuff like that. And we, we were on good terms. We just, it was the unspoken thing. And I just, you know, it sucks. It sucks so bad that my dad will never get to meet whoever it is, whoever is lucky enough to make it through the gauntlet of emotion that I am <laughs> and make it to the end and, and make it to the point where I'd bring them home. But don't put it off. Yes. I think that's also beautiful in many ways because I think when you do have the very tough conversation, it makes a starting point for feelings to change and relationships to change. Because listen, when I first came out to many people, it was, you know, I just, I, of course, I love you, but I don't want you to have a, a, you're going to have a harder life and that's going to be, and it's like, it was a lot, there was a bit of pity I received and, um, just because they did not know that there were other places in the world and or the country that there were many gay people was not such a crazy big deal and so i think like having that really tough conversation with your mom is probably beautiful because not only does it change your relationship and give you something to look forward to but also i think it gives her time to wrestle with it and um when that time does come i think it's going to be that much sweeter and more full because it wasn't just a, a react is not a reaction in the moment but like this is what we've talked about and this is going to be treated with positivity and so in a celebration yeah so speaking of though kind of the growing up the what shaped who we are i when i ask you the question whose fault is it that you're gay do you immediately go to a pop culture moment do you immediately go to an actor where do you go um yeah i go to i honestly go to comic books <laughs> mm. um like any run the gamut from archie to uh dc to the justice league to the x-men like all of it i think like the first men that i were att- i was attracted to were artistic creations of and that were in comic books i mean archie used to it was the first man i ever saw in a speedo okay <laughs> Like they were going to the beach in high school in speedos in those yeah. Archie comic books, and boy oh boy would I flip through those those digests to try and find the beach editions uh, because I was so obsessed with seeing these guys <laughs> in speedos with pecs. It was like the whole thing, and then of course like superhero comic books came into my life, and it was like the spandex and the the. You know, like we talk about the male gaze, like, yes, all the women looked insane, but the men had some asses on them. Oh, that my God. It made you question reality. Um, Some of these asses. Well, what about in the I know it's not a comic book, but the Batman movie with um, George Clooney. The oh, suit, yeah. It's like literal erect nipples. It's formative. Like, Oh my god! That's and that movie. I mean, uh, Uma Thurman. The uh, what's his? The what's Robin the Twink? Um, Chris uh, O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. I like the thing is, I was very much into George Clooney, but Chris O'Donnell. There was something. I think I kind of maybe shaped what I was into, which is more of like the blue-eyed guy that will you know put me in a locker in, in high school. Like I think that he, the thoughts I would have, and the confusion that that brought. Because I think I was probably like eleven when I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and let's not forget Alicia Silverstone. Oh. I mean, the whole movie is an exercising camp to the nth degree. And I think Joel Schumacher knew that. And mm-hmm. I think we don't give him enough credit for knowing that. Like, it is a quote-unquote bad movie. But I think he's, <laughs> he made the movie he set out to make. He did. And I actually, bef- this podcast was inspired by a series I did called That's a Gay-Ass Movie, where I would break down why movies were gay as hell. And that movie I, have, I hadn't, haven't done, but multiple people have requested it because it, I mean, it is so gay. It is so campy. It is so a gay-ass movie. From top to bottom. From top to bottom. I actually, you know, Jay Jordan was on this podcast and he's super into comics as well. And I think that there's like, there's, isn't it that it's very much there's queer narratives in many of the comics? Like, isn't there like a, a gay superhero that's having its story told? Or do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's a lot of queer narratives being told now. I think like it was a little bit more stealthy in the, the, when I was growing up. I mean, X Men is such a, a classic example of a queer narrative being sort of mapped onto a superhero to- story. Mm. I mean, like, uh, you rem- the movie X2 had a coming out scene that was like beat for beat a gay coming out scene, but it was about him being a mutant and the parents saying like, oh, have you ever tried not being a mutant? And 
And it, it, it literally was not even a wink. It was a slap in the face. It was like, this is about being gay. Um, <laughs> And being born this way and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I think like even even as a kid, before I even knew what I was, I think like I was absorbing the, these like queer narratives sort of in the ether of, of comic books. Well, that's I think what you connect with was, is when you know you are different. And like, am I a mutant? Am I just gay? Mm-hmm. Like I would rent the movie Camp from Blockbuster. And this movie is literally about a theater summer camp where uh, there was a lot of gay kids. There was Robin Jesus at the beginning of this movie gets bashed because he's wearing drag to the prom. And I knew that it was kind of weird that I was so into this movie. I would watch it secretively and like rewatch it. And I connected so much to him being bullied like that but i never i was not smart enough to put all of it together i was just like wow this is a really engaging movie um i wonder what's going to happen to his plot like i just like i did not put the pieces together and until when i finally did i was like oh no wonder i wanted to fuck jafar and aladdin like (laughs) (laughs) it's not super difficult but talking about these cartoon characters do you now as an adult a grown-ass man do you do you think it's odd to want to fuck these cartoon characters or does it just like still make sense no i don't I, i think it's totally legit i think it's like completely um within the realm of possibility that i could fuck a cartoon character I think it the is technology too. is gonna get there sooner or later. <laughs> the way that VR is happening right now, I mean, come on. I I'm think definitely three years gonna, time. I'm gonna fuck Batman. <laughs> you are gonna feel the penetration of Batman in mere and yeah. mere months. I mean, I even watching like I've and I've heard people say like watching Lion King, like why Simba hot? He's a full on lion. I mean, yeah, it is like an old joke at this point, but it is because it is so true. It is speak is speaking to a real true phenomenon, which is Nala and Simba were hot. We all had crushes on lions. No can get pride. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no can get pride. We had crushes on lions. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm honestly trying to go through my memory banks. Like, I mean, Prince Eric and Little Mermaid too. It was just like, sure, the dark hair, the blue eyes, the the pecs. I, why do they give these cartoon characters pecs? I mean, pecs. just like I mean, a whole Archie. generation. All we want is pecs. It's all anybody wants now because of these cartoon characters. I agree. And I, and I'm talking about like pandemic darkness. I went through such a dark period where I had nothing going for me or going on. And the only thing I would do, and I've talked about this before, is I would work out because at least I felt like I was like accomplishing a single thing in a day. Mm-hmm. So while I was like a dark place emotionally, I was like getting the pecs I wanted for the first time. And I was like posting my naked form on the internet, but still feeling like a piece of shit. And then I ended up getting busier and whatever. And I, do not work out anymore but it's like it's all checks and balances babe it's like god i want those pecs back but i guess i do like having a better mental situation but do i do i want the pecs instead it's all a trade-off i gotta say i look better than i ever have in my life and i feel shittier than i've ever felt in my life so i think that's i think that's the thing that like i told a friend once i said if you see me posting from a planet fitness it's a cry for help if i'm at a gym (laughs) it's like there is something going on there I mean, I, I don't necessarily know if there's like a correlation for me. I, I will say I woke up this morning, I had a full anxiety attack and I went to the gym and I felt so much better. I worked out with my adorable straight trainer and he really put me at ease and like straight trainer. Who are you? Andy Cohen? <laughs> I wish. Um, no, he's a great, he's great. He's got a gay brother and he loves to talk to me and wants to go out, going to visit me in New York, wants to go out oh. to the gay bars is a, is a prince of a human being i, I think, love I him think a joe rogan listener but you know nobody's perfect nobody's perfect they can't he can't be everything to all people Mm-mm. um speaking of if andy cohen uh propositioned you to sleep with him would you say yes or no um well you know we yeah i would say yes <laughs> that's all i'll say oh my god is this something you talk about a lot? And I'm just like, no, late to... no, okay. no, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Um, so you would say yes, is what you're saying? I would say yes, absolutely. And do you think if you, if it were to ever happen, do you think it would be good? Um, yeah, I think so. He, you know, I, I've been on his show 
And right. he exudes the kind of confidence of a man who is good <laughs> at sex. Yeah, I agree. And like, listen, I would very honestly, I think if Andy Cohen were to proposition me, Matt would be like, yes, 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 yes. yes. I mean, like, listen, would that happen? Probably not. But like, I, I, I can say right now, I, I enjoy thinking about it. Well, and I just got it. The, the only problem is, is that if I if I ever did, I would take so many videos from inside his apartment to just my <laughs> friends. Just like, I'm in Andy Cohen's house. You know, it would be so bad. It would be so embarrassing. Um, but, but honestly, I could kind of see you being the most incredible power couple. Like, can't you? Like, you go to an event <laughs> together and you're both looking gorgeous. And then, like, the, the blogs are going nuts. Male generals exploding. Yeah, maybe the, maybe he's number three. Maybe oh my God, Andy maybe. Cohen is is the third guy. I, that might be the title of this episode is Andy Cohen's the third guy, but I don't know if anyone will, a single person will understand that. Um, wow. I do want to say, I do want to shout out that one of your tweets that I found to be incredibly spot on relating to Andy Cohen and Bravo is that you said the non-white Real Housewives deserve hazard pay. Oh my God. What is happening to the women, especially the non-white women on all white franchises? Oh my God, The emotional labor is out of control. Did you watch the new york episode with yes. luann oh my god joel i just like it's tough it's very tough and like you could see it on luann's face when she had this horrible reaction completely negating this uh, woman's feelings and then you know she went home after filming talked to someone woke up the next day and realized i'm the bad guy here oh for sure and i think it was her daughters too because yes. there's a scene at the table with her daughters where they were like say upset mom you know yes. like don't I think say the angry da- i think the daughters understood and i and i will say this there was something really chilling about the way luann at the at that brunch was like oh i'm not talking about race like she, she in a way that suggested like I'm not getting canceled. Like, if right. I touch this, I'm going to get canceled. And like, she because still did. She knows that her thoughts are problematic because yeah, she exactly. knows she's not. And that's the tough thing about some of these women is that you like sometimes you, you love to hate them, but sometimes you just like are you are so entertained by them. But then when you when really find out their true thoughts, like, wait, you're are you a bad person? And this is like I'm implicated in your bad thoughts. Like we, what, my friend was a tour guide for the Real Housewives of New York bus tours, oh, which lasted I think about dream four dreams. I mean, truly dream job, and she was so good at it, but. I went to one of the like the press tours I needed to fill this bus and Luann showed up to like make an appearance and she rode next to us. She rode next to me and Matt. And I walked away from that being like, you know, sometimes you shouldn't meet your heroes. I mean, it just like she was like being not she was being Luann in a way that was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was having such a good season until this episode, I will say, or these last two episodes. You know who I thought was playing it perfectly because Heather sort of overplayed her hand in a big way. Overplayed. Like reads how to be an anti-racist once and then suddenly like it was it was obnoxious the the amount like i was like babe we get it you are awake we Um, get it but also that was tough to see because i've been a heather stan for since she was on and that made me immediately be like yeah 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 yeah, i don't get that i don't get that from her i think she's so beta i think she adds nothing i um i think i like that she was head to head with bethany but and i and i think like she did it in a way that wasn't she wasn't completely stomped upon however i interrupted you you were going to talk about someone else oh but i think sonia is playing it really well it it feels effortless it really doesn't feel like she's like putting it on for the camera it doesn't feel like she's trying to position herself as an expert by any means yes she's just being sort of effortlessly listening and learning and just like trying to do the right thing and yes. uh you you know and it's sort of the reverse of Luanne because she was having a tough season up until now i was worried mm-hmm. about sonia it was not fun to watch sonia no but, but now i think like she's handling the ebony stuff with aplomb she is and i think i had a flashback to leah had a, a event for her clothing line and sonia was like really cozying up to all of the black people at this party and i remember thinking like is is she tokenizing is she but then i remember like it felt like actually i just think she's just like loving her night and loving these people and i think she's just like i think sonia's a lover and coming yeah. from a place of love and that's why it translated just like she's not overstepping she's not 
Even the way she was handling Leah, who, by the way, I think Leah is losing me a little bit this season. Of course, of course. She's having, as Brian Moylan says, he, she's having the terrible twos. Yeah. She, I, I, this often happens when they come in high on their own supply. When they know that they were fan favorite last season, they really feel like their shit don't stink and they can do whatever they want. It happened to Leanne Locken. Mm -hmm. Um, It happened to Heather on Salt Lake, just Mm. into the reunion. I think like people really lose themselves when they become such a clear fan favorite. And it is interesting. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how season three goes for Leah because I do think she'll come back. But like... You can tell that Ramona and and all the rest of the ladies are sort of pulling their punches around Leah because they know that she sort of was the queen of last season. Oh, yeah. They do not like that she was so beloved. It'll be interesting to see how that shifts and how the conflict will play out in Leah's third season because I don't think she's going to... I mean, the not voting stuff, brutal. Brutal. Well, I'm very nervous that they're having an episode centered around watching the election. I, I mean, don't need to. That, that was prior to what I'm experiencing right now emotionally. That was the darkest period of my entire life. The the, the week leading up to the election? N- no, I will say like the election and then the week of uncertainty after the election. Oh, my God. So dark. So dark sided. Um, actually, I would say darker than what I'm experiencing now. Yeah. That For was sure. horror. I mean, I would, I would the sleep deprivation. Which, if anyone knows me, I'm I'm the monster of a human when I don't get enough sleep and restful sleep. I was just like staying up at night, just hoping they would call. They wouldn't. M- Matt was w- t- turning the TV on at I-, I would say 23 hours out of the day. It was just on the news, and it was like I forced him to turn it off at one point because it was affecting me so badly. And then finally, we were like, okay, thing is getting close. I'm gonna go take a quick shower. I will. And then hopefully it'll just be like, we can go out and celebrate. And then while I'm in the shower, they called it. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I've had my eyes glued to this television for the past seven, six days or whatever it was. And like the a devastating story is that my same friend who was the tour guide of the Real Housewives bus tour, she went out to celebrate. We were going to meet in Brooklyn and then she wrote, rode her bike there and fell and broke her hand. Oh my God. <laughs> I was oh, like, this no. is just, we, you just can't, we just can't win. But she did, like, to her credit, got her splint. And then we went to McCarran Park and it was a full, insane, insane show. I mean, like, it was like COVID was over. Oh my God. That moment. It was it, like we were all vaccinated. It really <laughs> did. Like, in WeHo, like, I was just like marching down the streets of WeHo. Like, everybody was out spraying champagne. It was, um, coming out of the darkness in such a huge way i I can't even believe that's i think why there's even as we're like transitioning out of the lockdown situation of just like it it does make things feel so much sweeter but of course there's a lot of anxiety with with coming back do you feel optimistic of obviously the pandemic has been very tough with writing and just like how horrible it's been do you feel anxious about breaking the seal or do you feel kind of uh, excited to get back into it I mean, since I've been vaccinated, I've been out and about. Yeah. I've been out there. Um, and socially, I feel okay. I, I think it's just, um, you know, I just don't feel quite as funny as I did before the pandemic. Yeah. And that's really tough for me. I don't feel quite as quick. Things don't remind me of other things. And that's the bedrock of comedy, mm. Eric, is things reminding you of other things. <laughs> and that's not happening. Oh, the gardeners are here. Um. And so I, I feel like maybe slightly less engaging as a social entity out and about, but I'm still forcing myself. I am happiest when I'm around people right mm. now. And so I'm really pulling myself out of my bed every day, every weekend to be around as many people as possible. I think that's vaccinated. great. Right, right. I mean, I the moment I hit the two weeks of the vaccination, it just like... It wasn't as big of a change as I was hoping. Just like, wow, I'm all better now. I have no problems. But it did like, like I wanted to just go to a fucking diner's. All I wanted to do was like eat like pancakes in a restaurant for whatever reason. And I was able to do that for the first time like a week ago. And there's two sides to that. I don't know if people listening like agree with this, but I feel like one side feels amazing, and then the other side feels so crazy that it doesn't feel more different than it, or it doesn't feel more momentous and monumental. And so I think it's kind of like when you see a good friend that you haven't seen in a long time but it feels like you just pick right back up i think that's like maybe that's just like what eating a, a plate of pancakes is for me is it just like it feels great but it's as if as if we never say goodbye 
what are you looking for? What 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 were you looking most forward to? What was making you go craziest when you were? Was it just being around people? Um, being around people, I really love to party and I love to dance. And um, it really like being in PV was the first time really that I'd gotten a chance to do that openly. And like, you know, I was a good boy throughout the pandemic. I didn't do shit. Mm-hmm. And we, I did a lot of crosswords with friends over Zoom, a lot of Zoom game nights. And boy, was I ready to fucking take my shirt off and dance around to some pots and pans. You know, yeah. like that is what I wanted more than anything in this world, life. And um, boy, did I get it. And um, it just felt so good. I felt like the most like myself. Some of my best jokes have have come as a result of something I've screamed into my friend's ear on the middle of a dance floor while I'm rolling my tits off. And like that was happening again. I, it, like, it yes. felt like a part of my brain was activated in a, in a so, big way. You know what's funny is that I was actually invited to this party, this pride party in New York, and I was really trying to get tickets to go. But of course, as we've said, the tickets were impossible to come by. So we ended up not going. But the person that invited me was like, do you do you like to roll? Is that I sound like I'm 50, 80 years old. If some, They were asking if I did Molly. And I will be very frank and honest. I have never done molly i've had a mushroom situation you know love love a marijuana moment of the However, earth. you're an of the earth drug user and I'm that's an fine of the earth drug i really feel grounded by the earth but i do you recommend molly <laughs> um i do and i don't it's it's not my top it's not my top drug i am um i struggle with the come down so i don't do it often i'm not a i'm not a somebody who um, can do it like three times in a weekend, although I have in the past, and I've paid for it dearly. Um, but, um, you know, I think three times a year or so I'll do it mm. and really enjoy it. But, um, there are, definitely, there are definitely different drugs that have less of an impact on me emotionally than I prefer. So when you met this guy in Puerto Vallarta, was it, um, like a dance floor where vi- eyes were vibing and dance or- floor? Um, he was friends with the guys that I was with. Um, from San Francisco and we met and like, we were introduced, we had like a fun little conversation. And then later on, I saw him coming out of the bathroom and he's so gorgeous. I, so, I, I did sort of write him off as like, you know, not somebody who'd be into me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I went in and this is where we dispute because I said to him later, I was like, wow, I'm so glad you made a move. I was so surprised by that. And he was like, what are you talking about? I didn't make the move. You made the move. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you went in to kiss me. And I said, no, you went in to kiss me. And it really was like very sweet. Um, oh my because God. Both of us sort of had the same feeling about it and just incredible kissing. I like, we both agreed right off the bat that like, if the kissing chemistry is not there, then there is nothing there. There's just oh. nothing there. It is Let's, the bedrock. It is the bedrock. I have to tell you something that I, when I had a kind of fantasy moment where I uh, hooked up with an older guy, I was in college and I was so jazzed. I was like, he was hot and rich and had this like gorgeous apartment. And then the second we started kissing, I was like, Oh my God, you're bad. You have been on this earth twice as long as I have. <laughs> and you are a bad kid. How is that possible? Yeah, and was and like, you know, oh. a lot of people like to say like, Oh, you know, they're not a bad kisser. They're just not compatible with you. And I say no to that. I reject that. I think that good kissing is objective. I do not think it is subjective. I do think that um, there is such a thing as bad kissing f- universally. Um, and do you prefer if I, I, I will say there's two kinds of bad kissing. There's eat your face, bad kissing. And then there's lips closed, no entry, bad kissing. Non-kissing. I sort of prefer eat your face because I feel like it's easier to to dial someone down than it is to dial someone up. Oh, interesting. You know what? Joel, I disagree. I think that I think that could because from my experience with this guy, it was eating my face. And I think like it was hard for me to be like, put it back in your mouth. Close. I think if there was the the tight lipped, the nun kissing, I think with my introduction, of different additions to the kissing would maybe signal to add. But honestly, I think we're both right. (laughs) Well, listen up. I want to ask a very important question. 
the world's ending. You can only save one character actress. Who do you think you would save? And do they have to be a living? No, we can bring them back. Okay. Because um, I would dig up the corpse of Madeline Kahn. Oh, yeah. Put hoist her on my back and carry her across whatever finish line I needed to, to <laughs> save Madeline Kahn. Um, because she was actually going to be sort of my second answer for what made me gay. I mean, she was probably the first character actress that I like really recognized and said, wow, this character actresses are for me. Um, specifically, like, don't give me the lead. Give me this woman who gets it. I mean, the, the trifecta of what's up, doc clue and young Frankenstein. I mean, there is nothing, there is nobody who does it better. You know what? I agree. And I also picture Madeline Kahn, like if her body were not decomposed, I'm sure she's buried in the most gorgeous outfit. When you take her out of the grave, sling her over your shoulders. I'm sure she's the jewels. I think it's, I think it's maybe velvet. What do you, what, what color gown is she wearing? Teal. Teal. She's wearing teal and she's got a kitten heel and I think that Madeline, I mean, and honestly, she's probably still roaming this earth somehow. So to get her, to get her physical body back won't be too hard. No, 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 no. Well, listen, I, taking a page out of uh, Danny Pellegrino always asks guests at the end of his episodes about favorite Mariah Carey song. I'm going to try this for the first time. I'm famously very uh, obsessed with Whoopi Goldberg. Do you have a favorite Whoopi Goldberg movie or moment? I mean... Yes, and unfortunately, it is the one that I'm sure everyone comes back to, which is Sister Act 2. Thank you! <laughs> I mean, I wish I had a more exciting answer for you. No, I really no. do. There's nothing um, more exciting than Sister Act 2 back in the habit. But it, it really holds up in a really special way. There is nothing like it. I just like, th- I, th- I think many have tried to replicate the energy of it, but she is so good in that movie and it i think it is a rare sequel that it surpasses the original um in many ways i just think so many great things lauren hill before she Mm. disappeared you know it just is it's incredible incredible and also someone tweeted like i don't know six months ago and i was in like a pretty dark place in the pandemic they tweeted that people who say Sister Act 2 is better than 1 are wrong, and the, the first Sister Act is better. And I was viscerally angry. I was no. like, how dare you talk about my family? It was like, the like that's that's egregious. Of course, Sister Act 2 improves upon the original, and nothing's better. Nothing. Did you ever see the Broadway musical? I did. Didn't love. Did. It was a tough, it was a tough time. Tough yeah. time. Well, I guess we're going to end by pouring one out for the Sister Act Broadway musical. <laughs> um, Joel Kim Booster, I want to thank you so much for coming on. The time flew by. I could truly speak with you for hours. You are an inspiration and icon. You are the moment. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your pride. And thank you for being amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Thanks for listening to That's a Gay Us Podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Gay Us Podcast. Subscribe, follow, review, do the whole thing. Also follow Joel Kim Booster at I Hate Joel Kim. Follow me at Eric Wills. And please spread the word and get ready for next week's guest. Because I don't think you are ready. Ooh. See you next time, my friends. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.